Welcome to Fides Podcast. Thanks for being here and thanks for listening. My name is Jerry Serino and I am your host. A Fides is Latin for truth and our show is about the truth and that's all we're going to get in every episode is exploring the truth and rejoicing in the truth. So thanks for listening. You can find me at Jerry at FidesPodcast.com. It's Jerry at FidesPodcast.com. Uh, just a quick shout out to uh, my friend Frank Camp, who uh, his music that you're hearing in the background and you hear at the beginning of every one of my episodes. Uh, you can find him on Spotify under Frank Camp. Uh, and this song is called Heaven Can Wait. It's a great song, and there are a lot of other great ones too. So uh, thanks for listening, and let's get to this episode. Okay, and welcome to another episode of Fides Podcast. My name is Jerry Serino, and I am your host. Thank you for joining me. As I say, uh, Fides is Latin for truth, and that's what we do here. We tell the truth, and uh, my guest today is a, a long, lifelong truth teller and a bit of a pioneer as well in the uh, pro-life movement. Uh, my guest is Janet Morana. She's the executive director of Priest for Life, uh, Gospel of Life, and co-founder of Silent No More Awareness Campaign, and the author of a couple books, which we can talk about in a second. So Janet, thanks for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So um, so I, I had uh, uh, Father Pavone on um, just recording. He'll be up. Um, he'll have been on a previous episode. Um, but so we know a lot about priests for life. Um, tell me about the silent, no more awareness campaign. Sure. Well, the silent, no more awareness campaign. I developed the concept of the campaign in 2002 with Georgia Forney of Anglicans for life. Um, so she and I had been, uh, got to know each other, uh, through meetings, you know, the pro-life movement, pro-life leaders, mm-hmm. and we both were feeling that the message of women was not getting out. Women who have been hurt by abortion, uh, you know, because the other side makes it sound like have an abortion uh, today, go back to school, work tomorrow, no big deal. We, of course, uh, me especially because of the work of Rachel's Vineyard, which is a ministry of priests for life. I've dealt with the people for many years who have been hurt by abortion and the deep wounds they have, both physical, psychological, spiritually, you know, the whole gamut. And so we both felt it's time to get the stories out. Why does the National Organization for Women and NARAL and all the Planned Parenthood speak for women? We have to give them a platform. And so we came up with the idea and we said, you know, what was a good word? Regret, you know, because that's what it's about. You have that abortion, and you don't watch women. I mean, I've prayed out in front of abortion clinics and watch how they look when they come out of the abortion clinic. They're they're not happy. Mm-hmm. They don't. Oh, this is great. My problem solved. Yay! You know, they usually have very sad looks on their face. You know, tears in their eyes, looking downward. This is not people who are celebrating their right to choose. And in fact, we know by the testimonies that so many of the women had abortions because they had not a freedom to choose. They had no freedom, no choice. Uh, they were told by a parent, uh, I'll throw you out of the house if you don't go and have the abortion and they're gonna drag them off and take them for an abortion. Or they were told by a boyfriend like, huh, I'm not ready to be a father, are you kidding me? Here's the money, you gotta go have an abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, I can even t- introduce you to women who were told by their husband, we already have a few children, we can't afford any more kids. Either you go and have an abortion or I'm gonna leave you with the kids. 
you imagine like this is right. not about oh yay you know let's go get our freedom of choice these are women who felt trapped abandoned desperate confused and felt they had no other choice but having an abortion now are there a few women out there a small percentage who you would say are very liberal and would say oh abortion is the best thing that happened to me they might walk out at that moment because we have women in our campaign who will tell you Oh, at one time I thought I was uh, pro-choice and I thought having my abortion, you know, I was a real radical feminist. But somehow after that abortion, I didn't feel right. And I couldn't put a finger on it. And as each year went by, I felt worse and worse until I finally crashed and hit bottom and came back looking for help. So basically, nobody is happy about an abortion. And I think um, the point here is that we have to be a voice out there to women to say, it's okay to feel bad about your abortion. And we're here for you. We're here to bring you for healing and hope and renewal back to the Lord. I mean, so that was kind of the impetus of the campaign to get those voices that we knew could speak to the physical damage, psychological damage, all those feelings, but nobody was listening to them. And when you think about it, if society is saying having an abortion is no big deal, you know, go back to school or work tomorrow, and you have that abortion, and I can introduce you women who were on the table and told them, stop, I've changed my mind, and were forced to continue with the procedure, held down, all right? But you leave the abortion clinic and you're feeling crummy, and everyone else is saying it's no big deal, you think there's something wrong with you. Until you begin to hear other voices saying, no, me too, I feel terrible about my abortion. And so the campaign really was, conceived to reach out to women to say if you feel this okay it's okay we're here for you to bring you to healing but the other uh, reason for the campaign was to reach girls and women who are considering an abortion because mm -hmm. let's face it jerry they know it's a baby it's not like back in roe v wade there was no such thing as ultrasound back then and even the supreme court said in the roe v wade decision oh because we don't know about the unborn and back then they said it's a glob of tissues, it's this, it's that. But with ultrasound now, it's crystal clear. Crystal clear. This is a baby. People actually, when they want to have a baby, they take those ultrasound pictures. They're on the refrigerator. They're in frames on their desk. They're all over the place. And so that, that argument has gone out the window. Right. That, you know, that <clears throat> it's not a baby. Well, we know it's a baby. But, you know, the women don't think about what's going to happen to them. And so the voices of the campaign say okay this might happen to you and what they're hoping that might be enough to hear the physical damage that it might help women stop and not say you know what i'm not going to do this because i don't want to have to have that happen I mean, we have some women i can introduce you to who the only uh child they were ever able to have was the one they aborted because of damage physical damage done to them because of that abortion yeah so you know when they were 17, 18, they weren't ready to be a mom, so they went and had an abortion. Oh, five, six, seven years later, they meet Mr. Wonderful, Prince Charming, they get married, now they want a family, and because of physical damage, they discover they can't get pregnant. Yeah. You know, so, so that was the other uh, reason for establishing the campaign. And finally, third reason was to reach the people out there in the mushy middle who say, well, you know, you know, I wouldn't want to see my mother or my sister or my relatives, anyone I know have an abortion, but we really need to keep it legal because some women, they need to have an abortion. They think it's a good for women. And I'm just going to close this door because my puppy is making noise. Oh, no problem. 
Um, but anyway, you know, that's really the purpose of the campaign. It's really to raise this, these voices out there. And of course, you know, we held our first events in 2003. And by the following year, we had our first few men come forward and say, well, wait a minute, I have regret too. And that's when we started with the sign, I regret lost father, because we asked, we kind of polled the men and yeah. said, well, what, what kind of hits your feelings? And they say, well, my fatherhood was avoided, you know, and so gradually the campaign basically has grown. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And it, it's, it's amazing how, you know, the other side claims to be for women and women's health care right. and women's rights, and they represent women, mm-hmm. um, but yet they don't want to tell them about um, the facts. They don't want to help them with what could be and very likely are the consequences to it. Right. And it's interesting you brought up um, uh, men. I, I actually have a, a, I interviewed a gentleman who started a group called Man for Life. And he, part of what he does is, is support men who mm-hmm. feel the same type of regret, depression over an abortion because it's, it, it's their child too. And uh, right. they seem to be forgotten. So it's great that your, your group is encompassing everything um, you know, yeah, I've, I've, go ahead. Also, Jerry, you know, we've been reaching out to siblings, you mm-hmm. know, because what we're finding is children find out that they're, they, they have this feeling someone's missing from the family. It's mm-hmm. really, really a true feeling. But then they find that, find out years later that their mom had an abortion and the clicks, I should have had a brother or sister, yeah. you know? Uh, and then there's the grandparents that are grieving because grandparents, you know, there are some grandparents who actually took their daughter for an abortion thinking they were helping her. And then they see the damage done to their own daughter and they're grieving that. And then there's the grandparents who their daughter went off and had that abortion, maybe when she was in college, didn't even let them know. And they right. find out years later that they lost a grandchild. So the, the bottom line is with every abortion, a baby dies, a baby's killed, but it's like my book shockwaves. The shockwave reverberates out to the mother, to the father, to the grandparents, to future siblings. And, and just other members of the family. Mm-hmm. Cousins don't have other cousins to play with, right? right? Friends don't have other friends to play with. Look at all the schools that where there's, you know, some schools at a graduation, they can put a, a chair there just to represent the missing children that are not graduating. Like now with this COVID crisis, I, I heard them saying that some families were going to put a chair at their Thanksgiving table if they lost a relative to COVID, you know, mm-hmm. to symbolize that. Well, can you imagine if we had to put chairs at tables at holidays for all the children in that family, right. in that family tree that were aborted? I mean, it's lots, lots of children have been lost to abortion and there's a lot of grief and there's a lot of healing that has to happen in our nation. So, yeah, so that's, um, that actually, you, you had mentioned your book, Shockwaves. I was going to ask you about that and, you know, the basics of it, which you just described essentially described and you're welcome to describe a little bit more um it's called shockwaves abortions wider circle of victims it's sounds like that's what you described is that it's not just the 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 woman it's it's so many more people exactly and actually shockwaves was my second book Mm -hmm. my first book is recall abortion yeah and that's where i really took on the issue in a woman's uh point of view to say if anything did to a woman what abortion does it would be recalled. It would be taken off the market. You know, any drug, any product, we would have gotten rid of it with all the damage. 
you know, and so what I do in recall abortion, I build the case and I take on all the hard cases, a full chapter on rape and incest, life of the mother, fetal anomaly. And I even go into um, birth control pills and all the other, the chemicals that are in all that stuff, how bad it is for women. I even go into IVF, in vitro fertilization. Uh, and right now that's a huge issue on college campuses because young women are being preyed upon uh, to be egg donors. And um, <clears throat> they'll offer them uh, some of these places $5,000 or more for an egg collection. So you've got a, a girl on campus, especially if they're away from home, away from their family, mm -hmm. and they see a poster up, earn $5,000 towards your tuition. Well, that really comes home, doesn't that? Yeah. But then the drugs that they give them, that they have to inject them with, are terrible and the complications that can happen to them physically. Uh, it's just horrible. So, you know, our culture is just so swept up on this stuff. And so in recall abortion, I basically unpack all the bad things that through abortion and all the contraception and things that how it's destroying women's health, you know? Yeah, yeah go ahead. Two years later, I developed the Shockwaves book based on the campaign because <clears throat> by then, like I told you, first we were raising voices of women and then men, but then through our work in the healing ministries, well, we're getting grandparents coming to us. We're getting siblings. We're getting, you know, other friends. You know, when you think about it, a friend should not let a friend drive drunk, right? You're at a party, your friend's drunk. Are you going to take away their keys and not let them drive because they're drunk? Of course you would. Well, then why would you drive a friend to get an abortion? And yet, there's kids in college that have helped friends get abortions, thinking they were helping them. But they, then they feel later like, oh, wait, I was complicit. I was responsible. I helped my girlfriend, Mary, get an abortion and kill her baby. Mm -hmm. You know, so they have, and there's been cases, Jerry, where you'll hear on a college dorm floor, all the kids chipping in 10 bucks each to help the girl down the hole get an abortion. I mean, it's terrible that, and then later when it dawns on them what they've really done, they've helped pay for the execution of that baby. Mm -hmm. you yeah, know, that, so yeah. <laughs> the problem runs very deep in, in our society. Yeah. It really does. Yeah, that's very sad. And um, I wanna, uh, I, I was looking online and, and looking for, you know, as much as I could find about your groups and, and about you as well. And I, I came across an interview uh, with a uh, young woman that you did with, uh, her name is uh, Patricia Sandoval. It's a, right. it's a YouTube video. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I'll ask you to, you know, summarize it uh, in a second here. But I, I think what, what the, her, the example of that she gives um, is, sort of along obviously what you were talking about as far as how none of this just really makes sense you know you have to be um you have to get a parent's permission to get take an aspirin in school right. you know yet the pro-abortion side fights for underage young women to be able to get an abortion without permission um in the medical field a doctor has to be obviously honest and tell you all the specific consequences to having surgery. I had surgery on my foot a few years ago and I ha I was told all the options, what the variables are in each one, what are the possibilities of X, Y, and Z, and you make that decision. If any doctor was ever found lying to a patient, that would be very serious. Yet, right. 
in the case of abortion, it's regularly done. And I saw that in that interview. So if you could maybe it's on YouTube sure. for anyone um, to want to watch the whole thing. It's very sad, but um, maybe just give a brief overview of the story of Patricia. Well, Patricia had uh, two abortions mm -hmm. and um, she had the bed plan parenthood. She, she really didn't know anything about what was going to happen to her. Um, in fact, you know, even when, after the abortion first happened, she felt terrible, but she, she just, I don't know, didn't put all the pieces together and she mm -hmm. actually went to work for uh, Planned Parenthood yeah. for an abortion yeah. clinic. And, <clears throat> and she said the things they taught her to counsel the women were never call it a baby, use the word it, call it it, don't say he, she, don't say baby. Um, and what really, really um, awakens her was when they kind of promoted her in her work and took her from just talking to the women. But they had her work in the back room in what they call the, the POC room, pieces of children room is what they mockingly call it, mm -hmm. where she had to, when the abortionist would perform the abortion, you know, that goes into that collection jar and then it's taken away. And they, they literally is horrible, gross, but they mm -hmm. strain it and they see the baby parts. And then someone has to stand there and count to tell the doctor it was a complete abortion. Mm -hmm. And it was when she saw those baby parts in the first trimester, she it, it like hit her like, oh my gosh, that was my baby. Yeah. And <clears throat> she had, a, again, you know, she left the abortion clinic and she was in a bad way for a while, but she eventually, she went to go live with another relative who took her to Rachel's Vineyard and she got healing. And now she's a real strong voice out there. Mm -hmm. uh, mostly she lives out in California yeah. She works on a Rachel's Vineyard re uh, retreat team uh, to help bring more people to healing. But um, her story is very common uh, of, yeah. of other girls who were lied to. You know, um, the point you're making, I make in the, the uh, recall abortion because I said I did the same thing. I compared any, you know, especially if you're going in for having like surgery, same day kind of thing, you know, in and out, same day. First of all, you've gone to your doctor weeks ahead, like you're saying, to say, okay, here's what your problem is, mm -hmm. and I have to operate, and he describes what he's going to do to you in that operation, right? Mm -hmm. Then he schedules you for your surgery, and usually a few days before your surgery, you have to go to the hospital for what's called pre-admission testing, mm -hmm. right? You get uh, blood work, urine analysis, chest x-ray, and an anesthesiologist actually comes and meets with you, right, and discusses... Mm -hmm. Well, in the procedure, this is the kind of anesthesia. And you have to sign all kinds of consent forms. And, of course, the day of the surgery, you can't bring yourself there. you got to be brought in with somebody. And, again, the doctor talks to you again. The anesthesiologist talks to you again. You sign more paperwork. And then when the operation is over, the doctor comes to see you once you're conscious and tells you how everything went. And then when you get to ready to leave, you leave that hospital usually with a follow-up visit to the doctor and you pay medication and usually antibiotics. You usually leave with two scripts mm -hmm. and a follow-up appointment. Okay. Does any of that happen in abortion? Absolutely not. And you might say, well, hi, how do you know, Janet? I know by the testimonies of the women. They'll say yeah. to you, I came in. I filled out for like some information. They took my money. They wanted to know credit card cash or did you have insurance? That's question one. Uh, and then you're brought into a room. You're told to get off your clothes, put on the gowns. Some places they come in and give you a little pill to calm you down. 
they bring you into the procedure room up on the table. You haven't even seen the doctor. You know, when they see the doctor for the first time, when he's a walks in, he's about to start the abortion. Mm-hmm. That's when you see the doctor. And when, after he performs your abortion, he walks out, you never see him ever again, unless you go back to the same clinic for another abortion. And who helps you? The supposed nurse or who's ever in the assistant in the room, they, they help walk you out, sit you in a recliner, give you some juice and cookies. And in about an hour, they tell you, get dressed and leave. Mm-hmm. How is this good medicine for women? Right. And how on earth does the other side stand there defending it, defends it, like this is good health care for women? I mean, how dare they even call it health care? It, 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 it's no such thing. It's a farce. Yeah, it, it, it's such a sad story, and, and time point after point she makes is how they lied to her, and they lied to her as a patient. They lied. Right. They told her to lie when she worked there, and I think she said one of the things they said is, under no circumstances do you let someone change their mind right. when they're in there. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, that that is that is horribly, horribly wrong, and and it's yeah. just sick, and yeah, it, it almost well, leaves a speech. You know, I also knew very well Norma McCorvey, you know, the Jane Roe of Roe v. Wade. Yeah. And there was a period of time where even Norma worked in an abortion clinic in Dallas, right? And Norma, when, you know, when she came out and became pro-life, she used to say, oh, yeah, I used to give them a hard time. They gave me a hard time because I would sit there talking to the women and say, well, now you're sure you want to have an abortion now. This is You made that decision, right? And then the head of the clinic would say, Norma, what are you doing? You're not here to talk them out of an abortion. You're to help them make sure that they get in that room and have that abortion. And she goes, well, if, if they don't want to have it, they want to have the baby, then I should let them do that. And like, she didn't get along too well with them. And as you know, she eventually <laughs> converted. But this whole idea of lying to the women, don't call it a baby. You know, it, oh, you're not that far along. It's just tissue, clump of cells. I mean, even with ultrasound now, they still try to use that lie. And- right. Um, in, in most abortion places, they do do an ultrasound, but they won't let the woman see the ultrasound, number mm-hmm. one. And the only reason they do it, it's like search and destroy mission. So the doctor can verify exactly what procedure he has to do right. uh, to kill this baby. Because, you know, sometimes um, the woman is not sure about her last period and this and that. And, oh, is this a first trimester abortion or is it? a little bit later i'm gonna have to do a little bit different procedure so they want to do usually most of these abortion doctors want to have an ultrasound and um and and, but they won't let the woman see that and they have the doppler turned down so you don't hear the heartbeat either because on those machines those are automatic things but you can turn it down so you don't hear the heartbeat yeah wow Boy, so yeah, it's it's hard stuff to hear, as you said. Uh, but uh, the reality is, is that we need to hear it. And um, right. I, I hope uh, I always say, as I, I think I have a lot of uh, people on our side listening to my podcast. But I hope there are, are other people from the other side, or people who are in the middle on on this and any other issue that I cover. Because uh, at the end of the day, that's what we that's who we want to reach. Um, Janet, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Okay. I, I could honestly talk to you for, for another few hours. Well, it, you can have me back <laughs> another time. But Jerry, before we go, I just want yeah. to tell people, yeah. if they know someone who's hurting from an abortion, you can go to abortionforgiveness.com and just put in your zip code. It will show you where the nearest Rachel's Vineyard retreat 
program is and other healing resources. So abortionforgiveness.com. If they want uh, to read the testimonies like we're talking about, just go to abortiontestimony.com. That's where we have our search engine. And you could click off. I just want to read stories about people who are raped. You can click, click off rape and read those stories. Life of the mother, whatever. And then use the testimonies and use this information, brothers and sisters, to change hearts and minds. That's what the women and men who give testimony want. They want you to use their stories and use their information. And finally, I'm going to make a very bold offer here, Jerry. Okay. Anyone who listens to your podcast and sends me an email at, and says, Janet, I heard you on Jerry's program, orders at priestforlife.org. Tell me if you'd like either recall abortion or shockwaves. I'll send it to a gift to you as being one of Jerry's listeners. Awesome. So what was that email again? Orders at priestsforlife.org. Okay. So, mention, or, uh-huh. yep. Or, so orders at priests, priests for life. Dot org and I'll post yeah, that as well. The word priests, plural. Priests, P-R-I-E-S-T-S-F-O-R-L-I-F-E.org. And just say, heard Jerry's podcast with Janet. Can I have recall awesome. abortion or can I have uh, shockwaves? And I'll send it out to you. Awesome. That's a great offer. Thank you. We, okay. we didn't plan that, by the way, everybody listening. Uh, that was it's very kind. So, uh, yeah, again, Janet, I want to thank you. I mean, again, there's talk of you know, pro-women, all this. Janet, you are truly a pro-woman person. You're fighting for women. You're fighting for men. Uh, you're fighting for life. And uh, your work is phenomenal. And, and I could hear thank it you. in your voice, your passion. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for all you do. And um, I appreciate you coming on. Well, thanks for having me. God bless. You too. Okay. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Again, this was another episode of Fides Podcast. Fides is truth. And we just heard a lot of truth from Janet Morana of uh, uh, executive director of Priest for Life doing some great work. So uh, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.